0: Hey, it's Brett Fisher, and you're listening to my podcast, DevOps and Docker Talk, where we talk about mostly container things, including Docker and Kubernetes. And I often have guests where we talk about whatever they're really into in the container land. And we take Q&A questions from the audience when I'm live Thursdays on YouTube. You can find out about these podcast notes and everything else on my website at brettfisher.com. This podcast is sponsored by my Patreon page, which is also at that website. And of course, in the show notes, you can learn about my Patreon benefits, including things like exclusive monthly DevOps calls, where we get to hang out with people that are in one of my paying membership packages. And there's other stuff going on there too. Basically, Patreon is the best way to learn about everything I'm creating, whether that's YouTube videos, new courses, newsletters, podcasts, there's a lot. There's a lot I'm doing. I'm recording this on April 7th. So, a lot of us have been in lockdown for at least a month. And there's been tons of content out there from everyone, every tech company, just about any company online is sharing how to do remote working. And that's great. I think there's people that definitely need some of that stuff. Of course, I've been working from home for over a decade as an independent freelancer. So, you know, I feel like I'm pretty good at it at this point. But I wanted to have this show, which was the one I did last week on YouTube Live where I talked about the tools that maybe aren't being talked about. I mean, obviously everyone knows about, if you're in tech, you usually know about things like Slack and Zoom and Google Hangouts and the common tools, Google Docs and everything Google, basically it's all in a browser. So I wanna talk more about what's in my workflow, what the teams that I'm using work with and what you maybe don't know about. So on this show, I'm talking more about the tools that are maybe sometimes specific to DevOps, maybe some terminal tools or remote code sharing tools, maybe some new workflow or working in a team type of tools that are not so IT specific, but are definitely showing up in the world of programming and DevOps and all that stuff. And I have my friend Kevin Griffin, who we've known each other for well over a decade. We've done companies together. We actually had a startup for a while. We've co-worked together for a while. We've done lots of stuff. So he's always great to hang out with. And we talk about his tools, my tools, and all the stuff that we use remotely. So I hope you enjoy, and on with the show.
1: Hello, Kevin. Hey, Brett. How you doing, bud?
0: Good. So in our background is some shots from DockerCon, because right now, like, we just would have ended KubeCon, DockerCon would have been soon. Like, there have been all these conferences happening, and we're all in isolation. So I thought, what if we put some people in our background to pretend like we're really at a conference? Why not?
1: Exactly. That sounds good to me.
0: So Kevin has been on the show at least a couple of times before. I've been on his show. We've we actually run companies together. We have this whole history that goes back decades. But Kevin, tell everybody what you do right now. Like, what's your day to day?
1: Yeah, sounds good. So my name is Kevin Griffin. I'm an independent software consultant. I work primarily with Microsoft products, so ASP.NET Core, a lot of Microsoft Azure. And my day-to-day is just helping businesses move their infrastructure to Azure and support their line of business applications. Yeah. And then you had this other thing. This other thing? (laughs) Oh, well, I have lots of other things. So on the side, I also do a lot of training specifically on Microsoft technologies and web technologies. Yeah, and on top of that, I also have a podcast. I do a podcast every week called Two Frugal Dudes. It's on. It has nothing to do with technology, but it has everything to do with personal finance. Yeah, in layman's terms. So, Two Frugal Dudes on everywhere podcasts are from. Yeah, and I've been work from home for nine. Hold on, let me check my. And my watch won't tell me I've been working <laughs> at home since 2011. Yeah. So eight, eight some years now. Yeah. We kind and, of made that journey together the, 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 I, I started and you started and we
0: were both trying to figure yeah. it
1: out. And yeah. And I'm coming to you from, uh, I call it my shed quarters. So I have taken working from home to the next level and I built a shed in my backyard specifically to be my home office. And, I I, fiz- I had to commute to work this morning. Rest we all get to work from home, I had a fifty foot commute. Yeah, you had to, to you had ooh. to go outside to get to your office. <laughs> I did, and it's on a day like today. It's not bad. It's sunny. It's not what like mid sixties, seventies. On rainy days, I don't like that commute because I have to walk in the rain and the puddles and yeah. the mud. It's awful. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's awful. Yeah, so the shed quarters is uh, sort of a work in progress. You've you've been building it over the years, but it, and adding to it. Now you got the green screen, and you got the lighting, and you got the, the the podcast mic, and now you're ready to be
1: the streaming star. So exactly, and no one can see the mess that my office is <laughs> because I'm facing this direction. I have the green screen. Yeah, but that way, I'd scare people. Right, right. <laughs> I think a lot of us, uh,
0: especially you know, when you have a, a, a family where everybody's nobody's leaving the house, like it's it's pretty hard to keep it even reasonably clean at this point. Like we're just all trying to yeah. keep it keep it together, keep it together. So you also have this other cool thing I just wanted to mention for a minute because it's very timely is that you you have a three D printer and you're doing some printing. You're doing a lot of printing.
1: I am. So I'm working with a local group of makers here in our area the Hampton Roads area to build face shields for everyone in hospital areas that don't have enough personal protection devices to protect themselves against the COVID-19. Yeah. And our our goal isn't to produce personal protection devices because those are there's strict guidelines for the the quality of a personal protection device, but what we're building are face shields that can be 3D printed in one in about an hour or so. Okay. And then we take off-the-shelf transparency sheets as the actual shield. And the goal of these shields is to prolong personal protection devices. So oh, okay. if someone's wearing a, a surgical mask or an N95 mask. The thing that will make that quickly deteriorate is if fluid gets on it, someone vomits, someone sneezes, someone projects a bodily fluid that they probably shouldn't. And if it gets on the mask, it makes the mask bad and needs to get thrown away Uh, or sanitized in some other matter. So the face shields help prevent that bodily fluid from getting on the personal protection devices. And so it's a little thing that we can do to try to help reduce the spread of the disease. And I have a 3D printer. I love my 3D printer running all the time. It's not running right now because it's in the shed quarters. And that would you would hear in the background if I had it running. So uh, I turned true. it off for the show.
0: That's true. So this is what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the test. That's pretty cool. And I you know I never would have thought we could you know we would be using 3D printers to you know help others in this in this time of need but that's really cool and I just saw that yeah. on on the internet the other day so I thought thought we'd mention that. So thank you for doing your part and I'm I'm impressed that you could actually get the all the all the the, the supplies to be able to do all that. That's one of those things where it's like it seems like we keep running out of the things that we need to make the things that we're
1: running out of, and so it, it's a cascading series of supply chain failures. But we we are low on filament. So the group I'm working with, one of the nice things is since we're doing this, people are throwing donations at us. So we're putting in bulk orders for more filament for our printers, and hopefully in the next uh, couple of days, next week, we'll we'll all get a re- restock of filament so our printers can keep going. Yeah. Um, because every hospital and outpatient facility in our area have been asking for these shields. And it's like printer ink. So if your printer runs out of ink, you, ha- you stop printing. When the 3D printer runs out of filament, you stop printing. So yeah. We, we, yeah. we're trying to restock all of our filaments. But I really, anyone out there watching, every local area probably already has a group like we have. Doesn't matter what country you're in, what city, state, locale. Do some research on Facebook. You can probably find a local group. If you don't have a 3D printer to help support the cause, you might toss a couple of dollars to those folks so they can buy, buy more the, material the Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I, I'm I'm sure it's going a lot a long way.
0: Yeah. So let's. That's really cool. And I just wanted to make sure that we got that out there because in case people didn't know how they could help, there's obviously lots of charities and things like that, but. I wanted to make sure that we had you know we had the opportunity to help even if we don't have those those charities locally or whatever and if and you know geeks like geek stuff, so yeah, uh, you know anything technical that we can do so and there's some other stuff I think there's out there that I'll probably share next week that I just didn't have time to organize for this week, but so the the purpose of this show was to talk about like remote tech and getting the things in your team to sort of collaborate together as if you were in the same physical office. And of course, since we've been doing that for a long time, we have a lots of lots of ideas. So we're gonna try to take this in three different stages. The, I think the first part I wanna talk about is the, the non-technical tools that are maybe a little less known. Like we all have heard of Slack and GitHub and yeah. Skype and you know Zoom and these basic tools for audio video and text chat and stuff like that. But some of them, like the one that I've actually been checking out recently, and I haven't got a lot of people to experiment with me on it. So it's called Tandem, tandem Tandem.chat. I actually just discovered this on a podcast about a month ago. And you basically run it on Mac or Windows. It's a a dedicated app. And it's kind of like an always-on audio-video chat room. And so you can jump into a room. There's other tools that do stuff like that, right? Where you can just sort of be in a room. And when other people like even Discord, the Slack alternative does that. But the thing that this does really well for in terms of business is it does allow you to share screen. And when you do that, you get the multiple cursors. So when you're sharing your screen, the other person has their cursor on your screen, kind of like if you remember Screen Hero that Mm -hmm. Slack actually bought, uh, they can do that. And then the other thing is it integrates with a lot of your apps and web tabs, like a lot of the web apps you're using. So when you're working with someone else on something, in case you don't want to have to share, like, you know, there's that whole process of saying, oh, here's a Google doc I'm working on. Okay, let me copy and get the share link. Okay, let me put that into our text chat. Let me send that to you. And then they got to go find it in their text chat and click the link. There's that whole thing, right? Well, this, this app allows you to essentially, it knows what app is in the foreground and you can just click a button in it and it will share whatever that is, whatever page that is or whatever app that is. With the other person, so that they can go there in their version of the app. So if it's a website, it's just a URL, but it actually has interfaces with a lot of desktop apps too, like Notion and other things. So I'm a big Notion fan, which Notion is kind of like Evernote, or Notion. I should probably just mention it, but it's not a, it's not a, it's it's a collaboration tool that allows you to capture all sorts of notes and different types of things and spreadsheets and all that. And it's now uh, Notion. This one down here, I should just probably mention it. We'll talk about that in a second, but tandem tandem is pretty cool and right now they're letting everybody have have it for free and it even runs on linux so if you're in a team and you're already doing the zooms and the slacks and all the other things this would be a cool uh way to try an even smoother process of hopping in and out my wife and i actually have been using it lately if we're on different floors and working so that we can't just yell at each other in the house we'll we'll set it up so that we're both in a room together but in that room we're muted and then we'll just unmute to talk. And we don't have to have a full Zoom call or something else running in the background. And you can always be sharing your screen in it. So you can sort of have it like, a, it's like it's this little tiny mini window basically in the bottom right corner of your screen that shows your, it can optionally optionally show your webcam or just the microphone or also screen sharing at the same time. And it gives you that nice little mini window in the corner. And it, it's not, it's meant to be running sort of in the background all the time, not as a uh, an app that you're you know, kind of like Zoom, where you're sort of meant to be in the Zoom itself and looking and using Zoom directly. So, anyway, try that out. That's pretty cool for Teams. I just don't have a big team. As an as a consultant, you often have to just use the tools that your client uses, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, a lot of teams aren't like you have. They have their own rules, their own security requirements. So it can be tough as a consultant because you every client's got their own set of tools. All right. This one was suggested by someone in a... I think... I can't even remember actually where it was suggested. I think it was suggested in one of my other hangout groups. So Coco, I think that's how you say it. (laughs) Which is similar to Tandem. I think it's been around longer. And it's kind of like this weird sort of... You have a map of an imaginary office. And you hop into these rooms. And then you can chat with people in the rooms. It's also not cheap. Uh So... I think it's kind of more enterprisey, even though it doesn't look enterprisey. But it's, uh, it's like ten or fifteen bucks a month per person, so it must be doing more than what I thought it was. But I thought I would. I have never used it, but someone suggested it, so I thought
1: I'd mention it as a collaboration it, tool. It kind of looks like a video game. <laughs> yeah, like a, a, an RPG, and your your character walks around from room to room. A modern version of Pac-Man, maybe, where I'm supposed to yeah. like run around the
0: room. Okay, so yeah, and you have different logos for what types of interaction you're having, so you can hop into rooms. That's funny. I have lots of questions, so but I'm not gonna bother their bot with them because I don't know this, I don't know what this is all about, but it, yeah, then it starts to look like it's a full fledged zoom kind of experience at that point, so yeah, pretty neat on that one. Probably won't be using that, but it's it's a pretty neat one this and so once we get into the past those sort of. Standalone collaboration tools. A lot of us are already in Slack, so there are lots of Slack bots out there. And one that was thrown up in Twitter today as an idea is the Standuply uh, bot, which essentially goes into your Slack and provides Standup sort of agile practice kind of things. And I was just—I've never used it. Thought it was pretty cool. I was checking that out, and it looks like it allows you to to have more control over just ad hoc I'm jumping in a room and telling everybody what I've been doing lately sort of it's a little bit uh, better process retrospectives stuff like that it's kind of neat I, lo- I always love Slack bots because it saves me from having to have one more app you know Yeah. so I'm sure there's other bots out there in fact if you're in chat and you have your own recommendations on bots that your team uses Slack bots to make Slack more fun and I mean there's there's the Taco bot there's all sorts of Slack bots you can get but you know there's some there for, for business purposes. So we'll try that. All right, so getting more into the technical stuff, and then some stuff that Kevin and I are going to try to get working together. We were we were playing around with some of these tools beforehand, because some we've used, and some we haven't. And we thought, well, you know, let's, let's try out some stuff. So the first one is from Alex Ellis, who was actually on the show a couple of months ago. And his podcast is going to go out here in a few weeks, actually. So if you're a podcast subscriber, you'll see that one. He's got lots of open source tools. And his most notable one is OpenFaz, which is one of the most popular functions as a service platforms that he created. And he has this relatively new, one, I think he made it last year, called Inlets. And the thing that Inlets does is it's kind of like if you've heard of Ngrok, there's some other tools out there. But it essentially allows you to use your own machine, unlike these other ones that are sort of a... Uh, SaaS product that you have to pay for. This is a free open source product. So if you go get like a DigitalOcean droplet for $5, you install inlets on that machine. And then you run inlets locally against that machine. It's kind of acting like a server. And then it allows you to use that machine to route traffic into your local machine. And that allows you to do a couple of things. One is that if you need someone else on your team to see what you're working on, and maybe they just need a web, some sort of port, web a web page or a web API or something, and you're no longer on the corporate network, and you don't have necessarily your own infrastructure to deploy these things to in the cloud, you could just do this really quickly. And then, you know, whatever Docker port you publish or whatever app port you publish locally, you could just redirect that from your server on the internet and just tell them to go to that server, right? That's one way to do it. The other thing is like a lot of us that are testing DevOps tools, we want to test SSL. And one of the best ways to test SSL is let's encrypt. But Let's Encrypt requires that the endpoint you're you're using to create the certificate for be on the internet. So you could use this to get Let's Encrypt certificates for your local machine that uses your own domain on the internet through your little, you know, DigitalOcean droplet or whatever VM you have on the internet that's running inlets, and that would allow you to do that. So... Or, you know, like anything else, like if you're testing stuff in DevOps and you want people to just test it, you know, come in from the Internet, you can. Or if you've got webhooks, right? So classic another case is if you're testing webhooks locally, but you need things on the Internet like GitHub and other tools to send you a webhook, you can use this to do that as well because it's support on the Internet. And you can just point them to that IP address or domain name if you have it. So he he's created a real, it's really easy to use. I'm not going to go through a demo because he actually talked a lot about it. You can actually look on this YouTube channel back in January, we did a show. You can just look for the OpenFaz Alex Ellis show, and you can check that one out. I will put that in the show notes, by the way, for the rebroadcast of this. So if you're checking the description, if you're not watching this live, you can see that. Do you think you could use that, Kevin? I don't know if you have
1: that. you I am I pay for Engrock. Because I use it so often, and it's for a couple of the scenarios you just talked about, where I'm testing webhooks, and the the webhook wants to hit something internet facing, but I'm trying to do some development locally. So I set up Ncroc to forward it to my local machine, and and to do all that stuff. But they are fancy features like having a custom uh, domain you, you have to be under the paywall in order to yeah, get that yeah. or else you get the random URL every, every time you start ngrok and it's, it's a pain in the butt going to update your webhooks to support whatever it is you're testing. And I'd love this just so I wouldn't have to pay for ngrok anymore. Right. I, I wouldn't mind having a small VM up on Azure or DigitalOcean that all it does is funnel requests from the internet to my machine. When I'm connected to it. So I'm gonna to have to look at this myself. Yeah, that's kind of I think
0: it was one of his motivations was NGROk is a paid service. We don't always need a paid service. You may not, you may only use it one day a month, yeah. you know, or whatever. And so he's creating, he's trying to create sort of a superior do-it-yourself thing. And one of the things that Alex is really good at is he makes his CLI tools really easy to use. It's it's very Docker ask to me that it, he makes the command lines and he's got a lot of other stuff on his on his github so you can find those things too he's got other things for deploying kubernetes like K, it's called ketchup he's got another thing that makes it easy to deploy apps on kubernetes so it's pretty neat stuff and i i don't yet have this strong need for it but i'm i keep looking for reasons to use it so anyway that's a cool one The next one is kind of obvious i think people have talked about uh diagram used to be called draw io diagrams uh online they're collaborative so they just store as a google doc or as an you know a one doc or one cloud or whatever the all the other you know dropbox all the other different types of document storage so you can work collaborative collaboratively in this with other people this is like the close one of the closest things to a whiteboard zoom has a whiteboard built in and other things have whiteboards built in but this one is a little more a little more feature full featured so you might want to check that out if you know if you know of another whiteboarding tool by the way out there in chat like uh, let us know because that one that one is something that don't have a lot of good good stuff for while we're here talking about the not super non-technical tools like in terms we're about to get into stuff like into the cli and and vs code and stuff like that i just want to toss out notion because i use it every day and i love it it's very collaborative focused in fact they have a whole remote work page now because we're all working from home but it's my new favorite tool i've used it for over two years now it's my primary business tool in my team we have uh, four or five people using it and it's kind of like a google doc where people can work on the same page at the same time everything's a web page but they also have dedicated apps but it's storing it's storing data as rich objects so you can move data chunks it's storing text i guess as a data object And so you can move things around, you can drag and drop, you can make things look like calendars, and you can take that same data and turn it into a spreadsheet, and then turn that spreadsheet into a Kanban board. It's really neat stuff. It's hard to describe it in just a 30-second demo. But they have a free version that gives you, I think, 600 objects, which is a lot, I think, Mm -hmm. for free. And then they have paid plans that I've been paying for for over two years, because I moved from... When I started using this tool, I basically moved from like four tools to this one. I used Google docs less. I moved from Evernote. I had year like a decade worth of Evernote. There was Google sheets. I was using less now that I was was using this and we were using Trello. So this now does all of the Kanban stuff that we did in Trello. So, and I'm sure there's other tools I was using that I now, you know, use this more for as well. So it's the only thing it doesn't have is you can't do drawing in it. So like if you're on a tablet or you have a stylist and you're used to that sort of, uh, drawing experience and some of the other note programs, you can't do those yet with this, but you can embed all that stuff. So like you can embed YouTube videos, you can embed uh, tweet
1: tweet boxes and all that stuff. Do you use this? I don't even know if we've talked about it. I do, I just started paying for Notion. I am slowly trying to migrate off of Evernote. And what really, what convinced me to use Notion was I was tracking conference submissions and I was able to go into Notion and create a a Kanban board for the conferences I was submitting to. And the biggest problem I had was not submitting to the conferences, but remembering to submit the conferences before their uh, call for papers ended. So I would go into notion whenever I heard about an event, I would say, I would, I created an object that told me the event, where it was, when the event was, and when their CFP closed. And then I could order them in my Kanban board based off of CFP closure dates. And at a glance, I would go in once a week, look at all the events when their CFPs ended. Yeah. And then go in, do my work to submit, then move them to uh, another category. It was also easy to track rejections versus acceptances and all that good stuff, too. That's what sold me on Notion. And it, You've been using it forever. Our good friend Marie has been using it forever. And just paying attention to people who use it constructively, it really helps sell it. Because I think when you dive into it for the first time, you really don't understand the vast landscape of what you can do with Notion. And that's the hard part. There's there's like a whole what like scripting API language built into it. Yeah. You, there's there's a lot you can do with it that I don't I don't I don't do a fraction of. Yep.
0: <laughs> yeah, and he mentioned uh,
1: Marie, so she
0: she is basically the internet. Like what I try to be to Docker, she is to Notion. <laughs> so she is she's got her own course out in case you're into Notion or if you want to give it a shot. I mean, obviously there's the app, but if you wanted to take it seriously, she is one of the masters on Notion. So I'll put this in the chat, and uh, she's also got a YouTube channel you can check out. In fact, I should be putting all of these in the chat. I don't know why I'm not putting them all in there. So there's tandem and so Coco. There's stand uply. And then we had inlets. I was behind on this. And then we have diagrams. I'm spamming the chat with links. And then uh, notion. And I just, you know, how I found out about Notion was a friend of mine, they were doing a, a friend of mine was doing, they had an outage and their team was troubleshooting. And so everyone was using a Notion page to throw all of the screenshots and all like, they were just dumping in text, logs, screenshots, like everything, they could all the media that they could think about. And then they made it a public link and were sharing it with others. So they shared me this web link that was like, you know, a URL. And I brought up this webpage and it was beautiful looking dissertation of their issue. Like all the people, everybody's like commenting in there. And I was like, what is this thing? It's it's crazy. I mean, it looked like a custom webpage they had made. And I thought, this is beautiful. It's it's very full featured. And I was able to comment in line and like, I was like, what is this thing? I've never heard of this. And he's like, oh man, you haven't heard of Notion. You got to get on the, you got to get on Notion. And ever since then, I have been addicted and always trying to use it more and more so the, the Notion team is great. And I probably should get like, I think I actually have, I probably should put a link in there. I think I have a Notion. You get something free if I share a link.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah delete that other link. Use the affiliate link. Yeah, I think I have invite
0: earn credit. Yeah, they get, yeah, you get $10 in credit if you use this link. So, all right. So getting, okay. So other people have mentioned some things too, like rocket chat, rocket chat is a great alternative to Slack. There's a lot of people that are doing that. So you can do, you can either use their hosted version or your own. That's pretty cool. I'm stuck on Slack because everyone seems to be on Slack. So I wish I could use discourse or discord rather, cause I love discord too, but it's, you know, we're all stuck on Slack for now until, <laughs> and the, and the Slack UI is changing. So I keep waiting for my my updates on some of my channels because some of them have the new ui and i i'm digging the new ui but
1: but not all of them are changed over yet so i'm kind of anxious for that have you have you seen the new ui i have i have one or two slacks that have switched over it's yeah, it's all right it's a little bit of a mind shift because when you have 50 slacks and you switch between them it's like well this one's old this one's new this one's new that one's old and
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm hoping this doesn't take six months, right? Like I, I was kind of hoping it would be over the course of a couple of weeks. But yeah, well, congrats, you know, Slack team on getting, <laughs> getting a major UI change out without pissing everybody off because that's hard to do. When you've yep. you got millions and millions of people using your stuff, it's hard to change anything and not make people upset. All right, so this is the thing that you and I demoed last year, I think, right? Yeah. Like we talked about Live Share, and you were showing it off to me and I was kind of blown away by it. And it's another one of these tools that it's there, it we didn't know it was there. And as soon as you see it's there, you're like, okay, well, I'm, I'm, this is now the thing I'm going to use from now on for this problem. So why don't you pitch it? Like what's your elevator pitch for this tool? Let's see,
1: live share is basically collaborative IDE, um, integrated development environments. So with live share, we can both work in the same editor at the same time on the same files. And you see what I see. I see what you see. I can run code on your machine. Uh, you can run code on my machine. It's basically as though we were pair programming at the same desk at the same time, but we're 20 miles away <laughs> or you're 500 miles away or 5,000 right. miles away. Right. Um, Live Share really makes that easy to do by uh, – because if you and I are using the same editor – Really, the difference is what's on my disk and what's on your disk. So Live Share connects our two editors together. And someone's the host and someone's, and then you can have multiple people that connect to it. Yeah. And we all get copies of what is on your machine, which, what you're looking at within certain permissions. So you can say, all right, these files someone can't look at. And I can look at a file that you're looking at you can highlight code on it. You can change code. I if I can make you we're read only to debug an issue. What's that? <laughs> I can make you read only. Yeah. Like if you, uh, yeah, yeah, I believe you can. Yeah. Um, but if you're looking at an issue and this is how they demo it at Microsoft is, oh, there's a bug in our software. Let's go, let's go into the file and scan, scan, scan. And then Kevin, the, the remote person, says, wait, I see the issue, changes it on the fly and says, Okay, let's Let's rerun this. Yeah, and I can see your console output. So if you have terminal going, I can see your terminal output. It's really nifty, and it's they've put a lot of work into it. So it's built into VS Code, and I'm also a Visual Studio user. So I go back and forth between full Visual Studio and then right. VS Code, but it's built into both. So I can really be a Visual okay. Studio user, and you can connect to my visual studio through vs code which so like you're on a mac mac has visual studio but it's not it's not like the windows version of visual studio so you can still help me by being even being on a different platform
0: yeah and i thought we'd just demo this yeah just because it's not hard to set up and you know there's a lot of tools out there that you know, pair programming is not new. Remote pair programming is not new. In fact, we're going to talk a little bit about Tmux and some really sort of the traditional terminal kind of hacking stuff. Maybe a little bit more uh, common in the past, but this is my my preferred way now. Um, unless we need to be both on a server and doing this, which I honestly think we could still do because there's still... There's now all these plugins where you can SSH through VS Code, right? You can SSH in a server and have it just transparently editing stuff on yep. a remote machine. You can uh, be, in, you can do it in a container. There's all these things that these plugins. But let's let's bring this up here. So, on my screen, what I've done so far. If I can find it. So this is my VS Code window. I'm in uh, a Jekyll, I mean it just it could be any it could be any files in a directory. It doesn't really matter. I'm in uh, a simple Jekyll static site and what I need to do is I first need to add, add the plugin. So I have that plugin already. It's installed. And you'll notice this new little live share button at the very bottom. So if you can see at the bottom of my screen is this little live share button. And if I'm on, you know, if I'm in a file, let's say, and I'm in here looking at this file and I want Kevin to come in What it's going to do is it's, this is a free service, which is crazy because there's obviously servers on the internet that are maintaining this. So it connects through either, you have to authenticate, you either authenticate through Microsoft or GitHub. And I chose GitHub account and it gives me this URL that I will then go over in my private little chat with Kevin and give him this URL. And then he clicks that URL. Yep. Notice how I can make it read only on my screen. I'm actually going to you can see down at the bottom right, this little pop-up says, hey, I've pasted the key into your clipboard. You can make it read-only, which I didn't, because I want him to make edits. And I can put take that away. And then I'm on my page, and now Kevin gets his own cursor. And we can both, kind of like in a Google Doc, he can be writing up there. Right? And away we go. And, and on his screen, he's actually getting a copy of the code on his computer, right? So technically you could be running this, right? You could run Jekyll in the background and this in theory should work. I think, I'm not sure if it's, I guess it's everything in your view that it tries
1: to sync. I'm not really sure exactly. So on my screen, I I get your workspace, your directory listing and you're in one file, but then I can go into another file and I can start messing around. Yeah, and you'll notice on my screen when he does that, that
0: file shows up in my top left as another file being edited. I can go in that file and he's already in there going about it, doing his thing. And this just works. And then if I, when I'm ready to be done, it's this little button down at the bottom of my toolbar down at the very bottom here. I can click on that and I get some options. I can quit I can, we can share a terminal together. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's lots. I mean, I basically, I keep finding out that I don't know enough about this tool (laughs) because there's more to it. Their website has a lot of details in the, this URL I'll put into the chat, which um, this URL, you'll see that there's a bunch of examples and quick start guides on joining. Uh, It's all done over an SSL connection. So. The fact that it was made by Microsoft gives me a lot more uh, trust and faith in this being a relatively secure option. It's been downloaded almost two million times. You know, it's it's something that I would trust, right? I mean, Microsoft's the lead, the lead team on the VS Code project itself, so you're running their code already by running VS Code. I'm not gonna guarantee anything here, but I, I <laughs> you know, like, if there's some random dude on the internet that's making this thing, you know, I would be a little skeptical because I'm essentially syncing all my code through some cloud server to someone else, right? So I, I would be a little bit uh, more careful about it if it was not Microsoft. And the fact that it's free is probably there's probably companies out there are going, oh crap, like we have a tool you pay yeah. for and this tool is free, so uh, that's pretty cool. And you know. Kevin and I were playing with this beforehand. It's not foolproof. I think there's some things we don't quite understand about which files it needs to sync and which files it doesn't. There's clearly some configuration going on there that we maybe need to learn a a little bit more about. I've only used it for some of the most basic stuff like this where I just need to share a file out. But I've got some projects coming up that I'm gonna be collaborating with other companies on. And a, a lot of times our traditional method of doing this was just sharing screen, right? And yeah. you would you would talk about my code while I'm doing it, or you you know you would you would guide me or whatever. You would be sitting kind of like in a real pair situation. You wouldn't have access to the keyboard necessarily in a lot of cases unless I slid it over to you. But in this case, this is not near as bandwidth intensive or as you know like we could be on this file together and I wouldn't have to also be in a, a screen sharing voice video chat program just to make it work. Right. So anyway, pretty cool stuff. I'm looking forward to using this in some future projects that I'm going to be working with some teams on some Docker stuff with. So we'll probably be working on some YAML and Docker files together. And ideally I, what the, what I try to do in projects, especially as a consultant, I'm sure Kevin's the same way, you know, you, ideally I want them to do a majority of the work and I'm just there advising and yeah. and, and guiding them down the road so that they're learning faster instead of me doing all the work myself for them. So this is a this is a good thing. And I think, you know, saying, "Hey, we're using VS Code, not a, not some tool that the company has to subscribe to and pay money to some unknown entity that they don't know who it is. It just works out of the box, it's free." So hopefully everybody will be cool with that.
1: All right. What's really interesting is you you can do shared servers and shared terminals, so you're just talking about inlets. And opening a pipe to from the internet into your machine. One of the things we do with Live Share is I can share one of the ports on my machine, and you can access my local port through Live Share. So if I'm running the app and I'm on port 8080. Yeah, we well, demoed that. We that that last time, didn't we? I, I'm not yeah, remembering that. Yeah. That's probably one of my favorite parts. Is like, well, here you go to the server and run the code off on my machine and you can see what it's doing. And that just saves so much time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so, and then I could share. Oh, so yeah, so there's options here, right? Share server. Yeah. And then I can share terminal, uh, read, write. So then we're on my machine. Yep. And. I can type in it. (laughs) Kevin's typing that. Yeah. (laughs) I wonder if I could prevent sudo in that situation.
1: Uh,
0: yeah, see. that's right. That's right. <laughs> Focus. Let's see. Request other participants to follow you. Oh yeah, that's right. Cause this is the, this is the feature where if I'm working and I want your attention to say, Hey, look, come look at what I'm doing in this file. I could do yep. that. But that is really neat. We, we need to find a project to work on it together so we can just use it. And then I, and then I kicked them out. And so yep, what happens when I kick
1: you out? Does it, do you lose access it, to everything? It closes the VS code workspace. So it just opens up a blank workspace, okay. It says if nothing ever happened,
0: right, right. right. So it cleans up after itself on your machine, in other words, yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty cool. All right, so the last one that I had that I really wanted us to dive into was a conversation I was having with some other people. my Patreon, my patreon membership, we have a, a thing called high Fiverr, so people that give five dollars or more on the patreon for for me we get together monthly and we talk about devops stuff and the topic shifted to these sort of remote pairing tools and we started talking about iterm or tmux rather tmux as a and screen some of these tools in the shell for jumping really originally they were for jumping into servers and you having access to something where you didn't have to worry about losing all your work while you, when you disconnect. So if you SSH in the machine and you, you know, then you go into Vim and you wanna do a bunch of stuff in Vim and then you wanna leave and you, or you wanna close your laptop and you don't want that all to be lost, you would r- do something like Tmux, I, which is I think pretty much the gold standard now. Uh, Tmux allows you to have a virtual session essentially so that you can SSH in and out of that machine but not lose your work so it runs in the background at it's sort of like a demon. It is a demon technically, and it's running on that Linux machine so that you can jump right back in and you can have multiple tabs and multiple side-by-side shells and stuff like that inside of it so that it's almost like a terminal within a terminal. And I use that a lot when I, back in the day, before we had, you know, all this GitOps and DevOps stuff, I would be shelled into a server and I would have a bunch of VIMS open, trying to do a bunch of server stuff and, Maybe it was through a jump host. A jump host is that thing that you have that it's a server sitting on the internet that, a, that allows you to access other machines by jumping through it. So you have to SSH into it and then into a machine, sort of a double hop scenario. And so when I was in those days, and those days are largely gone, at least for me, because a lot of what we do now is we don't do it directly on the server. We just do things in GitHub and then automation tools will update all of our infrastructure, right? We don't actually have to go in and manually touch infrastructure. We do the automation side. But back in that day, we did have to do that. Well, TMUX, let me just bring that up so that you can go check that out if you're not aware of TMUX. It's it's a little hard to get started, I think, because it's a largely, it's not there's not a lot of mouse support in it, especially by default. So you kind of got to learn all the command line stuff for it, and you can change those. So let me get down here to the readme, so it works on any Unix type machine. It's not if you're in Windows, you probably have to use Windows Subsystem for Linux WSL, and you can technically use it locally. So a lot of Linux people would use this it, before we had all these fancy terminals. They would use this tool to have a bunch of different terminals on their screen, all in one window, and then they could close their physical terminal window and come back later and have their whole environment still ready to go, right? And you would have different projects and different environments all set up for those environments. And so I, there were those days where I would used to, do that, used to do that before we had wonderful VS Code, which is now becoming more of my default tool day to day. But Teammate is an alternative to that that is designed for Tmux and sharing with two different people. So with, with Tmux, technically two people can jump into a server and work together on the same screen for pairing the the problem with tmux is that you have to do some things you have to do a lot of work to get that to work you have to make sure you both have the ssh keys to get in you both have to write type the right exact right commands to get into the same tmux window with teammate it's kind of a for, it is a fork of tmux that's designed for sharing so it's kind of like VS code live sharing but from the terminal because the way it works is i would we would both install it locally and assuming that we're going to be on a server together, or maybe we just do it locally on my machine, it will give us a URL on the internet, essentially. It's going to use their teammate server. And uh, I believe you can also do this on your own. You can create your own servers. So if you don't want to use the teammate uh, in the middle, if you don't trust them, if you want to use their own, you can totally do that. And then it gives, so like this would give, if I set it up, it would give Kevin an SSH URL that I could give him. And he would SSH in with this sort of one-time it's not a one-time key, but a temporary key, right? And then Kevin would be in my same terminal. We'd be both typing at the same terminal, and we would be inside a tmux, so that we could both be in Vim at the same time. We, we both get the same window. So it's very much like that terminal you had in VS Code, and it just works. So I thought we would demo it, but now that we just demoed the, <laughs> the VS Code one, it's kind of the exact same thing. We're just typing the command instead of clicking in VS Code. So I don't think we need to actually to do this anymore. And and quite frankly with VS Code, I'm not sure that I I would use this. Um the one reason maybe is if I'm on a server and I want us to troubleshoot it together. Right? Like if we're like if we both if I have a machine I need your help on it, maybe you don't have an SSH key to it, but I want you to see my window and and I but I want to do more than just screen sharing. I want to actually have it interactive. But you would need to run teammate locally. I'd run teammate locally. And then I'd give you that key. So anyway, yep. that is teammate with Tmux. Another one of those tools that I use rarely, but when I do with a team, it works. And uh, I haven't had to use a lot of Tmux lately just because we're a lot of people are just moving to VS Code. When we want to share things and work together on things, uh, VS Code is the way to go. And then a lot of us are just, you know, we're lazy, we screen share. We don't, we don't use these tools until we need to collaborate. And I think that's going to be more common nowadays. So anyway. All right, so it sounds like we don't have any other people talking about stuff in chat. Um, I'll give you the link to Teammate, though, so that you have that. And we're going to wrap this sucker up. And I hope that some of these tools were useful for people. I think there's... I'm hoping that at least one new tool you didn't know about that you can check out. And, of course, if you're around still in chat or in the comments and you're watching this later, throw in your ideas, and I'll be checking those out as well because I think all of us are trying to... Manage a remote work as much as as possible. If you want to uh, check us out on the internet, one Kev Griff over there on Twitter, this way, down there, mm-hmm. and I'm Brett Fisher on Twitter. And you can make sure you you know do the subscribe and like and all that stuff on this, so you can get more uh, of my YouTube live streams. We're here every week, and sometimes Kevin shows up even in chat. Yeah, because <laughs> we like to hang out. And Kevin himself, you have a bunch of you have a bunch of stuff on the internet. So where can people find you other than Twitter?
1: Other than Twitter, so I have my own YouTube page. Uh, it's called SwiftKick. Here, I'll drop a link in the chat. Yeah, there chat. you go. So I also do some streaming on Twitch at one Same Same username everywhere. Yeah, you do some coding, so there right? there we go. You do some coding. What's that? You do development on Twitch, right? I do. So usually I try to play around with stuff I don't know anything about. Or I, I pick up new projects and start moving forward on them. Twitch is... Live streaming on Twitch is just my excuse to try new things I wouldn't be able to bill for. Right. Uh, it's, It's great for that sort of thing.
0: So thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.